Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, so bear with us because we're trying different audios. Let me turn this down a little bit. We're trying different types of audios because I don't know if I like how it's... I feel like we've got the microphones and the audio is kind of not that great, right? So we're trying it. We're just trying it a couple different ways with a couple different options. So you guys let us know if it's like worse or what. I don't know. I feel like, okay, we're reading in the morning, and I feel like if anybody's parents listens to Morbid, it's like, Morbid in the morning. Remember that? Now we're like, reading to kids in the morning. (laughs) It's like different than what we do during the day. I mean, during the evening. Okay, if you're reading this, it's too late. The Secret Series, Pseudonymous Bosch. We are on the second, it's the second book of the Secret Series. We are in chapter 20, and we're on page 167. And chapter 20 is called Max Ernest the Magnificent. After the bus dropped him off in the afternoon, Max Ernest went home. Or, as he sometimes thought of it, he went homes. Why would he go homes with two S's? Or two homes? Because his dad and yeah. his mom. Yeah. I thought in the other book it said that they were going to live separate or something like that. Anyways, I guess they, I guess they took a few steps backwards. Um, perhaps I can explain. As you may possibly remember, Max Ernest's parents had divorced almost as soon as Max was born, but they'd kept living together so that Max Ernest would grow up with both both parents in the house. In principle, that might have been a good idea. That might have been a good idea. Uh, uh, In practice, however, it was very stressful on them, especially because Max Ernest's parents insisted on living entirely distinct lives, each keeping to his or her half of the house and never speaking to each other. Recently, thankfully, Max Ernest's parents had made the sensible decision to separate. Oh, see? Isn't this what you always wanted? asked his mother. Nice, normal, divorced family. Now we can be like the other divorced families on the block, said his father. Wouldn't you like that? Max Ernest's parents had an odd habit of repeating each other's words without acknowledging that the other parent had spoken. Their separation was quite real. They literally cut the house in two with the chainsaw. Oh my gosh. That's pulling on mine, baby. The mother's half of the house, the modernish style half, stayed where it was, while Max Ernest's father had his half, the cozier, woodsy half, hauled to an empty lot across the street. That's so weird. I'm sure I don't have to tell you how unusual a half, half houses look. However, both half-houses were boarded up on the side where they'd been severed so that the interiors were not exposed to the elements, and if you could live in them, and you could live in them more or less, quote, normally. In their new mood of common sense, common sense compromise, Max Ernest's parents worked out a custody arrangement for their son that made both equal partners in parenting. They called the agreement half and half. You know what it sounds like? Half and half mm-hmm. for your coffee. Yeah. It sounds like they just care so much about themselves and they never actually ask Max what's going on. Which is different than normally what we do with you with your dad, huh? 
usually if it's like you have to go to your dad's house and something special comes up he lets you go yeah yeah because it's not what's about what is good for me or what's good for you it's supposed to be about what's best for the kid right for the first half of every half hour <coughs> i'm sorry for the first half of every hour or half hour of every hour max ernest was expected to be at his mother's house for the second half his father's now that's just plain ridiculous every 30 minutes he has to move oh come on these these people are wackadoodles Exceptions included meal times, which were broken into 15-minute segments so that Max would never miss a meal with either parent. Sleeping hours, which were spent at alternate houses every night. And by now, Max Ernest was used to the arrangement. I might go as far as saying he had mastered it. His watch was programmed to beep every half hour, but he'd gotten to the point where his internal sense of time was just as accurate as his watch, and usually he was stepping through the doorway to his mother's house or his father's house, wherever he went next, by the, end of, by the time his watch beeped. Today was different. The bus had dropped him off in an awkward time, 3.47. He had trouble remembering whether he was to go, supposed to go to his father's or his mother's first, and whether he was supposed to stay with what parent until 4 o'clock thus cheating number one parent out of 17 minutes or 4:30, thus cheating the parent out of two of 13 minutes it didn't matter that neither of his parent would have been home yet it was the point of honor that he abide the agreement even if even in their absence as soon as he stood in the middle of the street debating which way to go his mind went back to the conversation with Cass on the bus his question he thought had been very sensible. If Yo Yoji had a crush on Cass, why why wouldn't they be a couple? If Yo Yoji was good at climbing, why shouldn't they be collaborators? And yet, for some reason, his feelings didn't make so much sense. Screech! A truck braked, blaring its horn. Max Ernest jumped out of the way and wound up in front of his mother's half uh, half doorstep. His mother's half was very stark, almost empty inside. Nevertheless, moments. Movement was sometimes difficult because of where he had been, where it had been split in his father's house. Usually, Max Ernest ran up the stairs to his room without reporting a problem. His, his remembering exactly when and where he had to dart to the side to avoid. <coughs> bless you. <laughs> I, stuffy wa I wonder if that was like so loud in the microphone. <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to find out. <laughs> okay, we're at six minutes. So we're going to check it. Um, his body remembering exactly when and where he had to dart to the side to avoid hitting the plywood wall that bisected the stairway. This time he hit the wall twice, scraping his shoulder and elbow. Was he mad at Cass like she said? Why was he so upset? Who? Max. He was like so oh. mad at her. But nothing for even what she did. It was for what Yo-Yoji did. It was strange losing a friend. And strange as it it had been to make a friend in the first place. Oh, as strange as it had been to make a friend in the first place. But Max, but much worse. He almost wished that he never made a friend at all. Once safely inside his bedroom, almost a test, he tied, tried throwing something around his room, which is what he imagined someone angry would do. Yoyoji, for example. He would probably break something, like a guitar. But it was no use. His model rock didn't fly any further when he tried to launch it properly. The frisbee bounced off the wall and hit him in the face. He couldn't even bring himself to throw the, the specimens from the rock collection. 
I must not be very mad, he thought, or else maybe I'm just not good at it. Then he noticed a brown paper package on his desk. Uh-oh. What do you think it is? Oh my gosh. Maybe the pearl. Well, it might be a message from the Midnight Sun. Max Ernest had received the package in the mail before. Kits for building airplanes and spaceships, mostly boxes of books, but only when he'd ordered them. This one was a surprise, as was the name written on it. Max Ernest the Magnificent. Repeating the name with a sense of wonder, he sat on the floor and opened the package, revealing a large cardboard box. The box was decorated with a top hat, a magic wand, as well as the words, the, Ma the Magic Museum's Home Magic Show. When he lifted the lid off the box, Max Ernest saw a classic magic set arrayed in molded plastic. I wonder if that was supposed to say arranged. Um, there was a wand, a deck of cards, a rope of tricks, a cup, and a ball set similar to the ones that he pointed out to, Ma uh, to Cass. And a, f and a few other things I won't give away because I don't want to ruin anybody's magic show. Now all I need is a hat. How about that? Max Ernest thought. Small, a small card was paper clipped to the manual. Try the cone trick. It's a good place to start. P B. Who's P B? Pikachu. Um. Bur. Burb. Gamma. <laughs> Following the instructions in the manual, Max Ernest made a cone out of the black construction paper. The cone was designed to look empty when you opened it for your audience. But it had a secret compartment that you could put a scarf, pull a scarf out of. The idea was to make it seem like you were pulling a scarf out of thin air. Max Ernest's first idea that he would practice was the scarf trick a few times. Then he tried it on. Ca then he would try it on Cass the next day. Then he remembered he might not be talking to her again. Perhaps he could try it out on his mom and dad separately, of course. If it went well, he could make it part of his magic comedy routine for the talent show. After all, Cass wasn't the only person in the world, just his only friend. At least she had been. The manual suggested practicing in front of a mirror, so he took out a paper cone and he took his paper cone into the bathroom along with a bandana left over from the from the from the one day four years ago that he tried being a Cub Scout. Ladies and gentlemen, he pronounced, addressing the mirror, I Max Ernest the Magnificent have in my hand, a normal piece of paper folded into a cone. Look, it's totally empty, and... Max Ernest was certain that he'd made the cone the, the cone correctly, but at this, as minutes passed, he had gotten, he'd gotten more frustrated. No matter how hard he tried, he couldn't make the cone look empty. He kept seeing the corner of the bandana poke out. He decided to look in the manual again. Maybe he'd missed something earlier. Thumbing through, he noticed a particular passage that had been underlined in red. The passage explained that the diversions help set up tricks. For example, you might hold, you might hold the. Uh, uh, you cannot talk. I know. You might hold up your wand and say, "Watch my wand closely. I promise there's nothing tricky about it." Before tapping your magic cone with your hand, that way the audience will think the secret trick lies in the wand not in the cone strange though strange though max thought max Ernest, it was almost as though the words had been underlined just for him 
he took out the wand of the magic set and tried the cone trick in front of the mirror again. Okay, I just want to say something. I don't think that it was underlined in red before that because he would have noticed if it was underlined in red. And when he went back, it was underlined in red. And he said it was almost like it was for him. So I wonder if the book changes for him if he's having trouble with something. If, like, the book talks to him. That's cool. It's like the Hocus Pocus book for Winifred. And, um, but he was so frustrated by his earlier failures and I... I suspect, angry at Cass, that he, instead of gently tapping the cone, he flung the wand across the room, almost as if he was good at being angry after all. As the wand hit the wall, its white cap flew off and tightly scrolled, and a tightly scrolled sheaf of papers slid out. Max Ernest picked them up and unfurled them with a sense of excitement. On the first page, it was, there was a note in pencil. Dear Cass and Max Ernest, I have pursued Mr. Wallace. I have persuaded Mr. Wallace that as long as you have the sound prism, you should have this file as well. Share these pages with no one, and please return them when your mission is complete. Or I will be in big trouble with Mr. Wallace. Regards, PV. <clears throat> the first page had also carefully typed label. Sound prism, notes, stories, memoranda, 1500 to present day. The old day, in the old days when Cass, when he and Cass were collaborators, Max would, Ernest would have called Cass immediately. He might have even tried to get the emergency signal. He wouldn't have read a single page without her. What to do now? Should he read on the, read on the pages on his own? Rip them up without reading them at all? As he struggled with his feelings, the alarm on his watch started beeping. He was going to his father's for the first time. He was going, oh, he was late to going to his father's for the first time ever. He shoved the pages into his pocket and flew down the stairs and ran across the street. By the time he got to his father's house, he had already reached his decision. Or half of one, anyways. Ooh, what do you think he's going to do? Read it by himself. I think. I think he should just suck it up and call Cass. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. He's, he's, he brought them with him. He's kind of being a brat. Honestly, get over it, right? All right. See you on chapter 19.